Isaiah chapters 13 and 14, these are God's words. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. Lift up a banner on the high mountain, raise your voice to them, wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exaltation. The noise of a multitude in the mountains like that of many people, the tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of the nations gathered together, Yahweh of hosts, musters army for battle. They come from a far country from the end of heaven, Yahweh and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Wail, for the day of Yahweh is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands will be limp, every man's heart will melt, and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day of Yahweh comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. And he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth. The moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place, in the wrath of Yahweh of hosts, and in the day of his fierce anger. It shall be as the hunted gazelle, and as a sheep that no man takes up. Every man will turn to his own people, every one will flee to his own land, every one who is found will be thrust through, and every one who is captured will fall by the sword, Their children also will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, who will not regard silver, and as for gold, they will not delight in it. Also their bows will dash the young men to pieces. They will have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye will not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from generation to generation, nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there, but wild beasts of the desert will lie there, and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches will dwell there. While goats will caper there, the hyenas will howl in their citadels, and jackals in their pleasant palaces. Her time is near to come, and her days will not be prolonged. For Yahweh will have mercy on Jacob, and will still choose Israel, and settle them in their own land. The strangers will be joined with them, and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Then people will take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel will possess them for servants 
and maids in the land of Yahweh. They will take them captive, whose captives they were, and rule over their oppressors. It shall come to pass in the day Yahweh gives you rest from your sorrows and from your fear and the hard bondage in which you are made to serve, that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How the oppressor has ceased, the golden city has ceased. Yahweh has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. He who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he who ruled the nations in anger, is persecuted and no one hinders. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Indeed, the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since you were cut down, no woodsman has come up against us. Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth it has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, and the sound of your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you, and worms will cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the cloud, above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners. All the kings of the nations, all of them, sleep in glory, every one in his own house. But you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden underfoot. You will not be joined with them in burial because you have destroyed your land and slain your people. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. Prepare slaughter for his children because of the iniquity of their fathers, lest they rise up and possess the land and fill the face of the world with cities. For I will rise up against them, says Yahweh of hosts and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and offspring and posterity, says Yahweh. I will also make it a possession for the porcupine and marshes of muddy water. I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, says Yahweh of hosts. Yahweh of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass, and as I have purposed, so it shall stand that I will break the Assyrian in my land and on my mountains, tread him underfoot. Then his yoke shall be removed from them and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed against the whole earth. 
And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For Yahweh of hosts has purposed. And who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. And who will turn it back? This is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, all you of Philistia, because the rod that struck you is broken. For out of the serpent's roots will come forth a viper, and its offspring will be a fiery flying serpent. The firstborn of the poor will feed, and the needy will lie down in safety. I will kill your roots with famine, and it will slay your remnant. Wail, O gate, cry, O city. All you of Philistia are dissolved, for smoke will come from the north, and no one will be alone in his appointed times. What will they answer, the messengers of the nation? That Yahweh has founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall take refuge in it. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Chapter 13 introduces a new section in the book of Isaiah by saying the burden against Babylon, which Isaiah, son of Amos, saw, which is very interesting. Because up until this point, the big bad in uh, the book of Isaiah has been Assyria, uh, who has invaded the north. If you remember, uh, the Lord was going to uh, permit Syria, as he had ordained, that uh, they would be the rod by which uh, he punished the northern kingdom, Israel. Uh, but then as Assyria grew more and more arrogant, he would stop them uh, at Jerusalem, uh, where they would only be able to shake their fists. Uh, and he would punish Assyria. He's already pronounced a woe upon Syria. Uh, and he is going to get to Syria. He gets to Syria and in our passage. I will break the Assyrian in my land on, on my mountains, tread him underfoot. It's what he said uh, about stopping Sennacherib at Jerusalem. So that just when Sennacherib is saying, you can tell by the outcomes that all the gods are the same because I smashed them all. God gives him the opposite outcome so that he will know that not all the gods are the same. But there is one living and true God who is not an invention of men. And... Uh, the Lord will destroy Assyria and demonstrate it in that day. But Isaiah starts with Babylon, especially because Babylon is an even more prime example of the pride and arrogance of men. Babylon will rise after Assyria, uh, and uh, Babylon not only is going to be in the future uh, an example of both the pride of man and of how God destroys those who exalt themselves. Remember, God opposes the proud. Uh, but Babylon was also a place where man himself uh, first raised himself up. Uh, well, I guess not first. But you remember after the flood. Uh, and uh, in the plain of Shinar, there was the city called Babel. Uh, and uh, at the city called Babel, man exalted himself and said, let's build a tower that goes up into heaven to make a name for ourselves. And that was literally satanic. Uh, this is something that he shows us in chapter 14, when he switches uh, from Babylon to Lucifer, 
And he says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Uh, um, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said into your in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. This idea of ascending into heaven uh, and exalting his throne above the stars of God, verse 13, ascending above the clouds and being uh, like the Most High, uh, verse 14, that was the very idea of the Tower of Babel. Uh, And so we see how uh, all of the exalting of man, uh, man's exalting himself, is really uh, a demonstration that they are under the power of the devil and that their character is like uh, unto the devil. Uh, And so that's why Babylon is uh, the first one uh, against whom the burden is being declared. Because there isn't just one judgment that's coming against Assyria, or one judgment that's coming against Babylon. There is a great judgment coming. Uh, Lucifer has fallen from being an angel, but his final destruction is being cast into the lake of fire uh, with his angels and with all those who do not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That day is still coming, and that's the day that is immediately in view in the first half uh, of chapter 13. Uh, When he gets to Babylon in verse 17, he says, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against him. They will not regard silver or gold. Uh, They are going to be a ruthless and vicious people. But in the day that is being described in verses 2 through 16, uh, it is the holy ones, the sanctified ones, verse 13, the mighty ones um, who rejoice in the exaltation of Yahweh, verse 3. This is describing something that we end up seeing in Revelation 19 where there are the holy angels and the souls of the just made perfect, and they're being led by the Lord Jesus Christ, who rather anticlimactically wins the entire battle all by himself. Uh, And yet this is uh, the army of Yahweh of hosts that is mustered for battle, verse 4. And so he's describing the day of Yahweh, uh, verse 6. That great day, that is coming, in which uh, all of God's enemies uh, will be destroyed, in which the sun is darkened uh, and the stars don't give light and the moon ceases to shine, verse 10, all of the uh, original lights uh, that were created, uh, the heavens will be shaken and the earth removed, uh, verse 13, using the language that is often used in Scripture of the last day. And what this is, is it's a reminder that our pride doesn't just provoke the Lord for punishments that come in time, the way Israel was punished in time, the way Assyria was punished in time, the way Babylon was punished in time, the way many people and households and churches and nations have been punished in time and the Lord tarrying this nation too will be punished in time but what was happening 
as a reminder that the wrath of God that breaks into history in these small ways is a wrath that is going to conclude history. Uh, And so our great need for the king uh, is not just that there will be an administration or a reign in Judah that will actually last, but we need a king uh, who, uh, with whom we will be safe uh, and glad in the last day. And so that's the, the great lesson from all of these invasions into time of the wrath of God. Uh, and that's why uh, God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah as an example, just as God had overthrown the world in the flood as an example. Uh, and he draws that uh, connection in verse 19. Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, uh, the beauty of Ka- the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So there are these great days of Yahweh throughout history, all of which look forward to the great day, uh, singular, of Yahweh that is coming at the end of history. But right in the middle of the passage, the beginning of chapter 14, is the Lord's focus in history. If the Lord hates sin, if the Lord is punishing Satan, if the Lord is punishing men, why is he waiting? Why is he taking so long? And the answer is he's not just punishing Satan uh, in order to vindicate his own name. But he's punishing Satan in order to have mercy on the people whom he's chosen. And so that's chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. This gives us the Lord's focus in all of history. Yahweh will have mercy on Jacob and will still choose Israel and strangers will be joined with them and cling to the house of Jacob. So the reason history continued after the fall of the devil, the reason history continued after the fall of man, the reason history continued after the flood is because there were people that God is determined to save. Uh, And even now, God is still grafting into the house of Jacob. He's still grafting into the house of Israel, which is no longer being led by prophets, priests, and kings on earth, but is being led by the great prophet, priest, and king. In glory, our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. That's what Christ means. And God is still grafting people into him from all the nations. He is the root. He is the branch that we've already begun to hear about uh, in the book of Isaiah. And he will rule us. And we'll be glad to be ruled by the house of Jacob. We'll be glad to be ruled by the house of Israel. You know, those who have anti uh, anti-Semitic tendencies and inclinations would not like heaven would not like glory when we are ruled by a jew by an israelite by a son of jacob a son of david and we will be ruled by him forever and ever as part of his house and the whole earth and the whole new new heaven and new earth uh, will be the land of yahweh so chapter 14 verses 1 and 2 uh, tell us what the goal is So now that we understand the goal of history, we understand the goal of the warning. That it's not just to make us shape up so that we stop being proud. We actually can't do that anyway. But the goal of the warning, obviously here, is to direct us to Christ. Uh, That we would not just humble ourselves before him, but as we know from 
uh, knowledge of God and ourselves and just as given by the rest of the Bible, that he himself would give us faith, that he himself would give us humility, lest we end up like Babylon uh, in verses 3 through 11 then of chapter 14. And basically the gist of it is, however great men look uh, like they are, whatever they seem to accomplish and attain to in this life, uh, they will all come to the same end. And so either you come to that end in Christ, or, despite all of the pomp and the sound of your stringed instruments, verse 11, despite all of the earthly attainments, they end up being a maggot sandwich. Maggot, The maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. And that's not just an image of decomposing. Because you remember what the Lord Jesus uh, said about this. Uh, Mark 9, 44 and 46 and 48, where over and over again he says, where the worm, the flame is not quenched and the worm does not die. That's actually from the book of Isaiah, which is going to return to this uh, this image in chapter 30, 66 with the worm that doesn't die. Uh, and so the fate of anybody who doesn't end up with Jesus, like is described in verses 1 and 2, uh, is the same as Babylon. And Babylon thought he was so great, and then he died. And the picture is of hell and the kings who are in it excited to receive him so that they can mock him because he thought he was so great. And now here he is to be gnawed on by worms for unending ages, just like everyone else. Uh, And how much will his greatness be worth then? What fools we are who live for this world. So we've already uh, covered the fall of Lucifer uh, and how those who uh, raise themselves up in pride are like him, particularly those who raise themselves up in pride and either provoke others to sin or attack others. Uh, and so Babylon is just like, uh, just like his initial example, uh, the greater They are the higher uh, they fly, the lower they fall. Uh, And so the king of Babylon, the king of Assyria, the king of Philistia, and you know, you notice the the greatest fall and destruction is for Babylon. The Lord will sweep him away with a broom, he describes. And he gives us, as he goes from Babylon to Assyria to Philistia, and it's actually going to uh, continue with Moab, but there's a wonderful redeeming purpose that we're going to hear about when we get uh, when we get to Moab. But the Lord gives us these little theological comments to remind us uh, of the purposes here. Uh, 1 verse 23, he's in a sweep Babylon with a broom of destruction. Uh, it says nothing. It's like sweeping the floor for him to destroy even a nation like Babylon. And then he describes verse 27, he says, Yahweh of hosts is purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? So that we'll remember that history is going according to the Lord's plan. Uh, and if he has planned to destroy proud and wicked nations, which he has, then nothing can stop it from coming. Uh, and then verse 32, in the section on Philistia, 
Blistia, of course, uh, perhaps excited that Ahaz is dead, and the Lord says, you know, Ahaz wasn't your problem. He was the rod that struck you, but I was the one doing the striking. And so uh, Philistia should not be glad that Ahaz has died. Uh, and he says, what will they answer the messengers of the nation that Yahweh has founded Zion and the poor of his people shall take refuge in it? Uh, he is the hope of his people, uh, even in the midst of times in which uh, they have been brought low. And so the Lord teaches us these things by what he does in history. And here, before the destruction of Philistia, the destruction of Assyria, the destruction of Babylon, he prophesies it ahead of time so that we'll be able to rightly understand and interpret uh, these destructions, these days of the Lord, days of Yahweh, uh, that break into history. So let us take our refuge in Christ and not be fearful of men who have lifted themselves up. And let us dread the idea of lifting our own selves up, lest we imitate uh, and participate in the sin of the devil. But let us humble ourselves before God and take refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would bless to us this portion of your word. Make us humble, Lord. Make us to hate pride. Make us to see the character of the devil in it. Give us to remember the destructions of the flood and of Sodom and of Babylon and Assyria and Philistia and many others, since you have taught us how to understand history now. Make us to remember what comes to all men apart from Christ lest we should live for this life, or lest we should be proud of ourselves, or lest we should be uh, overly intimidated by others. Give us instead, O God, to humbly rest in the Lord Jesus, to count him as our great treasure, and as the pearl of great price, and make us to walk with you as those who belong to him, and look forward to the day when you shall be exalted in destroying your enemies. So we pray that just as your holy angels, we would be those who love and rejoice in your exaltation. Grant it, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.